Welcome to Let's Talk with Sanctuary, a podcast designed for women in ministry. I'm Bridget Tomlin, founder of Sanctuary, a ministry for ministry wives. Our desire is to break free from isolation and foster authentic connection. Let's redefine Sanctuary. Welcome to Let's Talk with Sanctuary. My name is Bridget, and I'm just so elated that you are with us today and that you've discovered this brand new podcast for women in ministry. And uh, we've just been hearing some great things um, just for the few episodes that we've already taken live and uh, just hope to hear some great feedback from each of you who are listening today. So if you wouldn't mind, just take a minute after you listen to today's episode and give us a review. And we are going to pull from the reviews on all the podcast apps and we'll be announcing a winner for um, a really great prize um, on our episodes five and six just to come in November. So just wanted to encourage you to do that. Thank you so much for listening. I'm excited to introduce a guest to you today, someone that I've known for a very long time. In fact, I think I've known you all of your life. This is Natalie Morris, and uh, she and her husband, Eric, are co-pastoring at Victory City Church in uh, just outside of Austin, Texas, and uh, they have been married for 14 years and have four beautiful kids, ages 10, 8, 4, and 1. And so I know that you're going to just love Natalie. She is super fun. Natalie, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I am honored. And yes, we've known each other a long time, Bridget. You were the teenager, the blonde teenager I admired with the red lipstick for so long growing up. So <laughs> It's been a signature for a very long time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, talk to me a little bit about how I know we have to talk about COVID-19 because you have to incorporate that into every conversation right now. Yeah. So how have that how has this whole like worldwide pandemic impacted things for you guys in Texas as a whole and then for your family personally? In Texas as a whole, so we are just outside of Austin. Austin is uh, pretty liberal, and so our church is actually in the same county that Austin is in. So we've uh, tried to abide by those same regulations and things like that. So it's been really interesting. A lot of things, everything was shut down for a very long time. We opened our church back up on May 31st, and really we were one of the first churches in the area to go ahead and open back up. We you know, our governor had said churches can remain open. We shut down just, we're new to the area. We wanted to mm -hmm. make a good impression. We didn't want to be the church that went rogue and just, you know, stayed open. Um, so it's been really interesting. You know, my kids have been out of school. They go back to in-person tomorrow. So I am rejoicing. They are rejoicing. Um, <laughs> so, you know, just like everybody else, it's just been interesting taking it really one week at a time and seeing how things are going to play out, what's new, what's next. Well, yeah, and you guys had a significant transition that took place right as this was all kind of firing up. So tell us a little bit about transition from going to, from being on staff under your parents as the lead pastors to then becoming the lead pastors. Where was that timeline uh, taking place with the, the outbreak of this virus? Yeah, so we have only been pastors during a global pandemic, which it has been very interesting. God trusts you so much. I know. I feel honored and terrified. And what did I do, Lord? 
<laughs> I mean, um, but we had been staff pastors with my parents, actually. My parents were the lead pastors and we knew the transition was coming. And my dad just all along, he felt a specific timeline. And as he began to tell us what the timeline was, we were like, okay, it's going to happen in March. That's great. We had a whole series planned out that my dad was going to do. And I don't remember the exact dates, but we had um, my dad announced to the church that we were going to be the pastors. And that was the very last Sunday that we were open. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so here we are. We've just built this building. So we moved in in December. So new to the area, um, you know, new to the area for new people, but then also it's new for our people who came with us. And then, so he announced that. And then the next Sunday, um, we're supposed to be the pastors. He's going to pray over us. We were going to have um, like, a, you know, board members there and this whole thing. And my dad, you know, he just felt like this is the timeline the Lord has given me. And he gave this timeline to me a while back. And I feel like we're supposed to move ahead. Now, if you don't want to, if you want to wait, you know, we can wait. And we just trusted that, you know, obviously he heard from the Lord for a reason and God knew all of this was going to happen. So in their living room, the very next Sunday recorded, um, well, I guess we, we broadcast live. So they prayed over us and introduced us to the church via YouTube and Facebook that <laughs> we were the new pastors. And, you know, um, we joked for the longest time. Thanks dad. You know, did <laughs> or, you obviously knew something we didn't know and you just, <laughs> and you still threw us in there hands it right over. Um, <laughs> but you know, God knew what he was doing. So it was, extra interesting. If it could have been any more interesting than it already was, it, it did get that way for us. And so we were online for a while and, you know, God has been so good to us and our church. And I'm so thankful for my parents for hearing the voice of the spirit and trusting God knows the best time. And Honestly, the hardest part for us has been going online. We just did not have the capabilities to do that. Like a lot of churches, you know, it was scrambling to get things together, but we've continued to have new people since we've reopened and it's really just been very hard and amazing all at the same time. So, Wow. Well, that's an incredible journey. That's like, feels like years, I'm sure in a matter of months. I told somebody that the other day, I said, it feels like this is all still so new, but we've also been living like this forever. Like, I don't remember a time before COVID. <laughs> Pre-COVID. Yeah. Pre-COVID, yeah. Those were beautiful days, weren't they? <laughs> well, you know, um, Allison Yandel, uh, we yes. all, our families have all been connected with ministry things for years and of course, long time friends. And uh, she and I had some great conversation in our last episode just about life in the ministry family and growing up as preacher's kids. And so one of the greatest things that preacher's kids commonly share, you know, are those funny stories that only happen that preacher's kids could really understand or identify with. When you tell these kinds of stories to people that were not raised in the ministry, they kind of look at you like, what in the world are you talking about? But you've surely got something funny that maybe you guys as a family talk about that took place even in your raising as, as a preacher's kid. You know, and she's laughing already. I'm laughing. <laughs> I'm laughing because a lot of it has to do with my brother. Of course. 
<laughs> if you know my brother, that does not surprise you. The, I know I did crazy things. I, I know I did. Um, Stories about Drew Keen, though, are legendary. Legendary. <laughs> <laughs> I can't that. You know, my dad was an evangelist, and so we spent concentrated amounts of time with the same people that we did not know for days on end, sometimes weeks on end. And I remember as I remember as a little girl, you know, during the altar call, doing flips on the altar, you know, back when we actually had, you know, the altar, sometimes they were padded, thank God. Um, and that was the, those were the best ones to do the flips on because I didn't hurt myself. But I recall one time, I can't remember how old I was, but I remember vaguely doing it. And my mom reminds me, you know, every once in a while about me being in my frilly dress with my bloomers doing flips on the altar while she was playing, you know, that was opportune time to play and my dad was preaching and that was my time to escape. And I just loved those altars. It was like an enlarged balance beam and I could just, <laughs> you know, do my flips and show my frilly bloomers to everybody there. And I think deep down, my brother and I knew we're, we're going to leave here. And, you know, we may never see these people again. So we've got to get it all out and really make an impression. <laughs> I, there's some other, awesome. uh, there's some other stories of my brother uh, saying goodbye to the elderly mm. at a specific church. And, you know, and when he was like four or five, I think they had been there for weeks, you know, and it just went on and on and on. And you can imagine as a kid, you're just happy to get out of there and you're just saying whatever. And my mom just like, you know. She probably wanted to put a mask on him back then and just, or like sure. a muggle. Oh my, yeah. Well, you know, my husband and I have been evangelists for over two decades now. So there's a handful of stories thrown in there. Um, sound checks where I've looked out and my girls have discovered the resident wheelchair uh, and are like having an amusement park adventure in the church foyer. <laughs> so, and that was the sound check. Like we've not even started ministry on Sunday morning and you just have to take a deep breath and go, they are children first before they're the preacher's kids. So good times. My mom, you-, you know, I still have indentions on the back of my arm from my mom's nails. Just, you know, they just could grab that little part of skin and mm-hmm. just pinch it. And that really got me quiet real quick. I guess so. Quiet or loud, uh-huh. depending on right where she got you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what do you think, Natalie, was the biggest challenge of being raised in the ministry as opposed to your dad having what I kind of refer to as a quote unquote normal career? Oh, man. You know, I have the fondest memories of my parents being in the ministry. I think the hardest part was my dad traveling you know, and him being gone. But with that, I have to say, because I don't look back on my childhood and remember my dad being gone all the time. You know what I mean? I I remember my dad was at every big event. I say he was at every game. I'm sure he missed games. But I think the hardest part was him traveling, you know, and then my mom shuffling everybody back and forth. But I really have I I have the fondest memories of my parents being in the ministry, which is, is strange, but, um, yeah, I, I guess that would be the hardest part is his, his schedule just being crazy and not like the other parents. And, you know, you always got a lot growing up, at least I did. 
a lot of questions about my parents being in the ministry. So are they pastors? Oh no, they're not pastors. He travels and speaks. Oh, he's like a motivational speaker. Yeah, kind of. Sort of. <laughs> he's an evangelist. Oh, like a TV evangelist? Right. No. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Exactly. I love how my kids intro that and as though there's anybody, especially in 2020, that knows what an evangelist is. So yeah, that's 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 great. That's great. Well, there can be a lot of perks for the PK and yeah. some good things and some highs from that. What do you think were some of your favorites? Oh, I loved meeting new people. And um, I, my mom says I was the worst traveler. And I'm sure I was as a kid. But I loved meeting new people and I loved when my parents moved us overseas. That was like the biggest perk and the best times of our childhood and youth years was getting to live in Ukraine and just all those experiences as a kid that a lot of other, you know, you don't always get. Um, I really loved that. Because you guys were how old when you moved to the Ukraine? I was in fifth grade and my brother was in eighth grade. Wow. Some pretty crucial ages there for that. Yeah. And my, I, I remember my mom and she's talked over the years about, you know, how hard it was. Cause especially for my brother, he's eighth grade, you know, he's almost in high school and sports are really, you know, going and he's very involved and just, why now? And my brother and I both still say to this day, that was the best years of our lives. And it's just cool how God redeems that, you know, all those Mm -hmm. fears that my mother, any mother would have moving their children to, you know, we thought the way my mother prepared us was that we were going to a third world country. It was not that at all. It was, you know, very nice. And we had a lot of, a lot of luxuries, but, um, it was the best years of our lives. And, to think that my mom was so worried that it would, you know, hinder us or stop us or keep us from something special. Those, that was the special part. Well, and the truth is, I think that's the fear of every parent in the ministry. Yeah. Is my obedience or my perceived obedience to what we believe God has asked us to do going to negatively impact our children for all of the rest of their lives? And we think that because we've heard that story over and over again from different pastors, families, and and we've seen preacher's kids that not only have maybe turned away from being called to the ministry, but then also have um, just walked away from a relationship with the Lord altogether. So what do you think it is that your parents said or did that made those truthfully the best years of your life. Obviously the Holy Spirit had a, a key role in that, but your parents had to have done or said some some of the right things or or this made the right choices in order to keep that a, a great, great section of memories for you guys. My parents um were never negative about the ministry. I never heard I never heard overheard conversations, negative conversations about pastors or churches. Um, my mom never complained when we had to pack up and go somewhere else or anything like that. They just were never negative. They're not perfect people, but they just, I don't remember my parents ever complaining about what God had called them to do. That's so good. 
and I'm sure there were tough times, you know, now I'm, I'm, I'm not living exactly their life, but I'm living, you know, somewhat of that. And there are a lot of tough times, but I just never, they were always very positive. It wasn't an overly like we get to do this every day type thing, but they just, that was their life and they loved it and they just never complained. So fast forward now to the fact that you, you were in the ministry before you married Eric, and then you guys have been in the ministry full time since that time. And now you're raising four children in the ministry. So what do you find yourself passing along as you're trying to now raise your kids in this full time ministry kind of lifestyle? Man, I am guarding against complaining for sure. (laughs) And, you know, it is easy to go there or just vent to Eric or have conversations that need to wait until later time. But what I'm trying to do is find the balance of bringing my kids along the journey of ministry, um, letting them be involved and letting them see the ins and outs I'm trying to find the balance of that versus just inundating them with everything ministry and their life is spent at the church and around church people. And I'm trying to find that balance, which is very hard because, you know, during the summer, I, I don't pay for childcare. So my kids are up here with me all the time. So it's just finding the balance of bringing them along versus making them do something. And so I'm trying to find their, you know, Ella and Winston are a little older. And so Ella, you know, she's my idea girl, I call her. And she just has an idea for everything and a better way of doing everything and just wants to plan everything. And so trying to find their little gifts that God has given them and their personalities and a place for them within the body of Christ and within our church to serve and to have fun doing it. Because I know that if they have fun while they're at the church, they'll remember when I was at the church and I was spending time with my mom and dad, or I was around my church friends, I had a lot of fun doing all of that. That's really crucial. I, you know, I think, um, you know, it's, it, it can be a joy. Uh, we all know that stress comes with ministry. We all know, but I have reminded my children that, you know, of course, even with us as evangelists, um, that ministry is not the cause for all of the inconveniences in our lives. Right. You know, that they could easily have a doctor for a dad um, who is called away in the middle of the night all the time to perform a surgery or to deliver a baby. They could have a dad that's in the army, uh, the military, you know, who takes him away for months at a time. And something I remember, and actually one of my elementary school teachers commented on it to my parents. Um, I don't even, I may have been third, fourth grade, and we had just moved to Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, for my parents um, to accept a position in the district leadership there with the Assemblies of God. And the teacher had us write an assignment about, you know, what do your parents do? And I said, well, we are the district youth directors for the Assemblies of God. And at eight, nine years old, I already identified that it was our family's calling to do that. And I'm with you. The things that I think probably many would have identified as being a drudgery were some of the most fun things that 
I wouldn't trade for the world now. And yes, the traveling is a is a downer. You know, those are some some things. And I, every parent's going to look back. It doesn't matter what vocation you're in. You're going to look back and go, oh, I wish I would have not done that or could have done this better. But yeah. that's a huge, huge bonus, what you're saying about helping your children to identify their gifts and how they can use those for the kingdom of God. That's so beautiful. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying. I remember my mom, she, you know, she's helped me a lot along the way, you know, don't do this. I did this. <laughs> do not do this. And my brother and I don't, you know, we, we don't look back, like I said, and, and remember all these negative things, but my mom, she's like, I wish I, you know, I wish I wouldn't have just thrown you in every single nursery along the way. Maybe I just kept you with me or I went back with you or something like that. I'm like, yeah, okay. So she, she helps me a lot with that, but yeah, I just, I want my kids to have fun with, with our family. And I want my kids to have really fond memories of being in the church because I know as they get older and they become youth and then they go off to college, that transition of leaving the nest and then going to college, it will be easy to find a place in a local church because they will have fond memories and they will know, Hey, this is what I'm good at. And this is how I can, this is how I could serve in this local church where I'm at. I just want, I'm try. I try to think down the road, you know, I want that transition to be easy. So they stay planted. Certainly. And that's, that's crucial. Keeping the end game in mind is crucial. Uh, not getting caught up in, all that we see about us right now, but knowing that there's, there is an end game for it. Well, we've had some feedback on our social media platforms in regards to just various challenges that today's ministry wives face in raising children and the ministry. And I just wanted to throw some of these at you and just kind of get some of your opinions on that because you, you have the perspective of a PK, but then also the perspective of raising children in ministry. And you're like, right in the thick of it right now with, you know, kids all the way down to age one, you know, and then 10 years old, such a, a, a broad range and so many unique personalities that come from each of those children. So one of the, the um, ministry wives that's part of our Facebook group um, on with Sanctuary talked a little bit about the challenge of really a lack of friends, not just for herself, but that also she found that challenging in her children finding friends. Have you had that experience or maybe something that you could use to address that? We have actually, you know, we just, when we first moved to Texas, we uh, rented a house um, because we weren't sure exactly where we wanted to live. And we, God was smiling upon us and really directed our steps because we found the greatest neighborhood with kids everywhere. I mean, and there was a, a family two streets over that goes all the way back to Oklahoma City Assembly of God days. That was just wow. my parents knew her parents, you know, just crazy stuff like that. It made the transition very easily, easy. But then when our church moved, we wanted to be closer to the church. So we moved and um, it has been extremely difficult for my kids to find friends. There's not a lot of kids in our neighborhood and even at church or at school, um, you know, I am okay. We have a very strict rule about going to other people's houses. We don't, we don't do that unless I've met the parents and I've had extended conversations with them. 
Um, and so we have friends over to our house and I try to be really intentional about that. It's very hard being busy, but my kids have had some really low days the last year because of moving schools and neighborhoods. And, um, you know, it's, it's just different being in the ministry. And I feel that as a woman, you know, I, I'm not, I don't always find friends very easily as a pastor. I'm not best friends with every person in my church. As you know, it, it's just not possible. We can right. hang out and we can have a great time, but those deep relationships are very few and far between. And so for my kids, what's been really important is for our family unit to be really strong and for us to make, um, scheduled time throughout the week. So like we have Morris Mondays usually. And on Mondays when there's not a ball game, we are like family game night, something like that. They're friends. If, if they have them there around, they're allowed to come, but it's important for our family unit to be strong so that when times like this come, when there's not a lot of friends or COVID happens and you can't play with friends, mm -hmm. um, you have friends within your family. And so I just tried to really instill in my kids, like just about different seasons, especially the older two, like seasons come and seasons go. And just because we don't have friends that are over every day or they're not in our neighborhood, we're still, we still have those friends. We can write a letter or we can FaceTime or, you know, do something like that. But it's something that's very hard. And I feel that strongly for my kids. You know, with me, I can, when we moved here, I told the Lord, I don't care if I have any friends, just give my kids friends. Cause I knew it would be a big transition for them. And he did. And he's always faithful. And in those seasons, I've really tried to teach my kids, Hey, when we moved here, everybody was really friendly to us. Now it's your opportunity to be really friendly and go out of your way to somebody else who may not have a friend. So we have girls on the opposite each side of our house. They don't speak very good English. And I've told my kids, this is your opportunity to be a friend to somebody who may not have a lot of friends, or maybe that you don't understand or is a little different from you. Like let's get out of our box and be friendly to some people right now. But it's not easy because I know how I feel whenever I feel like I don't have a lot of friends or I don't have somebody to talk to. And then for my little ones to feel like that as a mom, it's, it's hard. Very it's really hard. Yeah, it's very hard. And we're going to go through those kinds of seasons naturally. I remember thinking a lot of times, I think I kind of just idealize this concept of being a normal family. Um, you know, <laughs> like, you know, where the dad goes to work and then he comes home at five o'clock and we all sit at the table every and night. every night we're together and we do, all, you know, and what I have come to realize is that there were things in my childhood that other kids with normal quote unquote families would have loved to have embraced. Yeah. And so I think that's the job really as the mom as much or more than the dad really to yeah. provide that barometer of, you know, kind of keeping it in balance. Like I hear you. I know this is hurtful. I know that this is hard. I feel that way too. I have felt lonely a lot too. I am, I'm struggling today myself. But then how are we going to respond to that? Because we can't control what other people are doing. And so it's like a life lesson on that. And I don't think you ever, especially as a female, we don't outgrow that comparison game, no. you know, where we're thinking, um, oh, wow, it would be so nice if our family did things like that person does. And of course, social media feeds that frenzy as well. 
but um, such a beautiful thing to try to keep those things like we're being vulnerable and honest with our children and identifying with what they're going through, but then also kind of like you're coaching yourself as you're coaching them. Yeah. It's going to be okay. And like you're saying, seasons come and seasons go. I thought it was so good what you said. It reminded me as a kid. So yeah, we didn't have a normal family, <laughs> you know, quote unquote. Um, nobody, I, as I got older, I realized nobody's really that normal. Precisely. Uh, um, but I remember having a friend spend the night and I idolized her family because they had donuts every morning on the way to school. Whoa. And our, our sugary treat as kids was, um, frozen grapes or frosted mini wheat cereal. If my dad went to the store and we would lick the frosting off and, you know, stick the shredded wheat back in the bowl. And so I just thought, man, how cool that they got donuts every morning. Well, she spent the night with me one time when I was in elementary and my, she said, your mom, my mom made breakfast for us before school. And she said, your mom makes breakfast every morning for you. And I was like, yeah. And she was like, I wish my mom could make breakfast for me every morning. And she had a great family. Her parents were strong Christians. They were a good, strong family unit. They loved each other, you know? Um, and I was like, huh. And that has always stuck with me that, yeah, you just idolizing what other people have, or you just got to make it work for your family, you know? And the things that her family valued were good for her family, but our family, I'm like, man, I've, I've tried to do those little things for my kids that like, Hey, this is meaningful. This is us as a family. This is what we're doing. Now, every season looks different. There are seasons when we are sitting at the table four to five nights a week all together by six o'clock. There are seasons when it's like, what's for dinner, babe. Um, you know, I don't know pizza or whatever you bring on the way home, shove it in the mouths. I'm going to target Winston has <laughs> baseball, you know, it's just, yeah. you know, different seasons. And anyways, it's perspective, and I have to remind myself that my kids aren't comparing their their childhood to what anyone else has experienced per se. This is their normal, and if I can make it a beautiful one, then I've done my job yeah, for sure. That's so good. Okay, so one of the funniest ones that I thought uh, share was shared, and I think that most of us can identify with, and you've already t- touched on this a little bit with your personal experience, but she talked about her kids being too comfortable at church because they're there all the time. (laughs) All the time. Yeah. Um, You know, I've actually recently started thinking through this because like I mentioned about Ella, my oldest, she is, maybe this is an oldest child syndrome, but she is just knows what she wants and she's going to take charge and she's going to do it and whatever. But this is like, their second home. So they make themselves at home when they're here. So they walk in the staff kitchen and, you know, help themselves to the breakfast that some sweet volunteer homemade that morning for the worship team and just make themselves breakfast burritos without asking, you know, because (laughs) this is my home and whatever's here is mine. And obviously so glad you guys could make it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I'm, I'm trying again to balance the like, Hey, yes, this is, you know, our church, but also this is not our living room. 
And, um, you know, there are volunteers that volunteer their time. They do not get paid to be here. And we want to be respectful of that. And I do try, you know, like tonight I came up to the church to do the podcast because frankly, it's quieter here. And Winston had a baseball game. Well, Eric is taking all four kids to the baseball game. And he's already texted me, you know, this God is points. Yeah, I know. God bless him and good for you. You know, <laughs> just... It's about time. <laughs> it's, it's, it's good for him, you know, a uh, little dose of reality. Um, and he already texted me, you know, this is pointless with Malcolm, our one-year-old, because he's just, he's all over the place. Um, but there's just, you know, I said, I could just bring Ella with me and she could watch Malcolm in one of the classrooms. And he was like, no, she does that all the time. And I was like, you're right. She does. I've got to remember, like, she's a kid and I don't want her to resent this place. I want her to feel like, yeah, this is my home. This is my church. I love it. But then also there, there is like, sometimes I just need to pay for a babysitter so I can come to the office and not make them come up here. Or sometimes I need to call my mom and say, Hey mom, dropping the kids off so I can go to the church. Or maybe I need to miss a Wednesday night because we were up at the church Monday night and we're going to be there Friday. So I just need to miss a Wednesday night prayer service and pray at home after the kids go to bed. Um, and I think sometimes my, my legalistic, um, side can come out with that. Like, we're not going to miss a service. We are going to be at the church every time the door is open. But to my kids, it's not an opportunity to be at church. It's, oh, my mom is making me go to church again. Um, and then when they are here, they feel so comfortable. And I love that, but I don't want them eating the volunteers, you know, breakfast tacos. So <laughs> it's just, honestly, it requires on my part so that they're not up here all of the time. Cause that is the easier thing. It's easy to just load them all up and bring them rather than schedule out a babysitter ahead of time and think ahead. So my kids can stay at home maybe and, you know, go to bed early or, or whatever. But, you know, I don't, it, it's our second home. It's, that's what you do, right? Absolutely. I get it. I get it. Well, I am, I am, taken in by of course any amazing mom of four kids um in balancing all that you do because honestly I, I just had my two and they were five years apart and that was enough for me to catch my breath uh so for all the times that we feel like we're getting wrong someone else is going go girl go and I'm proud of you and there may be someone you know on the cheap seats criticizing but um honestly you know, as long as we're giving her our best, we just trust the Lord with the rest. And that's all we can do. And that's really all God expects us to do. And um, so I think that that's incredible. So Natalie, tell me before we go here, what what is your greatest personal passion right now? Beyond being, of course, a wife and mom and even a co-pastor, but what is it that's driving you personally? So Eric and I have this conversation frequently because I'm I'm, right now I'm overseeing our kids ministry and I'm overseeing our connect group ministry. And the other day I was like, we've got to get it. We've, we've got to get a kids pastor, babe. So if you're listening to this, you know, a great kids pastor, <laughs> tell me. Um, and he was like, you're just, are you just not passionate about kids? You're just not passionate about kids. And I was like, well, that sounds terrible because I have four. So I love kids, but my passion is people getting connected into a community of believers. So whether that is 
like when we have first time guests, I love seeing the data on our first time guest and what the boxes that they check on our connection card. That's like my favorite thing. Did they check first time guests? How did they hear about us? Um, what's, what are they interested in their next, what's their next step? Is it baptism or is it joining our volunteer team? Um, I love it when people get connected in community by way of groups or when they are finding their passion within the local church. So we do growth track, which I'm sure a lot of churches do. Um, and week three is the personality and gifts test. And I love seeing people's results. And I love it when they have that light bulb moment of, oh, I didn't realize this was a God-given gift that I can use to influence and impact my world around me. And then them using those within a volunteer team, whether it's, you know, tech or the live stream, or if it is in kids, ushering, whatever it is. I love it when people have that light bulb moment of this is what I was created to do. Yes, I am a doctor or yes, I am a teacher, but this is how I'm using those gifts within the local church. Well, that is such a crucial part of any church really that's going to grow. And so I think that's amazing. Amazing. Thank you so much for giving us your time tonight and um, just sharing your heart and being vulnerable. And of course, we shared a few laughs laughs together. And that's always, always par for the course when I'm visiting with you. So thank you for having me. I feel honored. I just love you and admire you and all that you're doing in your own life and at your church and with sanctuary. I just look up to you and grateful for you in my life. Appreciate that so much. Thank you again to our listeners for being here, part of Let's Talk. And I hope that you will do us the honor of telling someone that you really care about, about this this brand new podcast for women in ministry. And if you would just take a few minutes after you conclude today's episode and just give us a review. Again, we'll be announcing some prize winners in our November episodes and look forward to hearing your feedback so that we can learn more about how to connect with you what kind of content you're looking for, the, the issues that you're facing, maybe the joys that you're sharing, and that will help us help you. We would be honored as well for you to stop by our Facebook page for Let's Talk Sanctuary and share the details that you find there on your social media platforms. Natalie, tell us um, how our listeners can find you on social media. Oh, sure. Um, on Instagram, I'm Natalie Morris or Natalie King Morris on Facebook. You can find me there. I post all kinds of um, inspirational content. Not really. It's mostly just my kids, but <laughs> it can be inspirational for sure. You will enjoy Natalie's story, Insta stories for sure. <laughs> Thank you again. And we will look forward to visiting with you again on Let's Talk.